0: risk two the five of them ran off quickly they really were late and had to run most of the way which meant that it was difficult to talk but they were so excited about their morning that they panted remarks to one another as they went I wonder what this old rag says panted Julian I mean to find out I'm sure it's something mysterious shall we tell anyone asked Dick ''No!'' said George. ''Let's keep it a secret.'' ''If Anne starts to give away anything, kick her under the table like we did last summer,'' said Julian with a grin. Poor Anne always found it difficult to keep a secret, and often had to be nudged or kicked when she began to give things away. ''I won't say a word,'' said Anne indignantly. ''And don't you dare to kick me. It only makes me cry out, and then the grown-ups want to know why.'' We'll have a good old puzzle over this piece of linen after dinner, said Julian. I bet we'll find out what it says, if we really make up our minds to. Here we are, said George. Not too late. Hello, Mother. We won't be a minute washing our hands. We've had a lovely time. Chapter 5. An Unpleasant Walk After dinner. The four children went upstairs to the boys' bedroom and spread out the bit of linen on the table there. There were words here and there scrawled in rough printing. There was the sign of a compass with E marked clearly for east. There were eight rough squares and in one of them, right in the middle, was a cross. It was all very mysterious. You know, I believe these words are Latin said Julian, trying to make them out but I can't read them properly and I expect if I could read them I wouldn't know what they meant I wish we knew someone who could read Latin like this could your father, George? asked Anne I expect so, said George but nobody wanted to ask George's father he might take the curious old rag away he might forget all about it he might even burn it scientists were such peculiar people what about Mr Roland said Dick he's a tutor he knows Latin we won't ask him till we know a bit more about him said Julian cautiously he seems jolly and nice but you never know oh blow I wish we could make this out I really do there are two words at the top said Dick and he tried to spell them out via occulta what do you think they could mean, Julian? well, the only thing I can think of they can mean is secret way or something like that, said Julian screwing up his forehead into a frown secret way? said Anne, her eyes shining ooh, I hope it's that secret way, how exciting! What sort of secret way would it be, Julian? How do I know, Anne? Silly, said Julian. I don't even know that the words are meant to mean secret way. It's really a guess on my part. If they did mean that, the linen might have directions to find the secret way, whatever it is, said Dick. Oh, Julian, isn't it exasperating that we can't read it? Do, do try you know more latin than i do it's so hard to read the funny old letters said julian trying again no it's no good at all i can't make them out steps came up the stairs and the door opened mr roland looked in hello hello he said i wondered where you all were what about a walk over the cliffs we'll come said julian rolling up the old rag what have you got there anything interesting asked mr roland it's a began anne and at once all the others began to talk afraid that anne was going to give the secret away it's a wonderful afternoon for a walk come on let's get our things on tim tim where are you george gave a piercing whistle tim was under the bed and came bounding out anne went red as she guessed why all the others had interrupted her so quickly idiot said julian under his breath baby fortunately mr roland said no more about the piece of linen he had seen julian rolling up he was looking at tim i suppose he must come he said george stared at him in indignation of course he must she said ''We never, never go anywhere without Timothy.'' Mr Rowland went downstairs and the children got ready to go out. George was scowling. The very idea of leaving Tim behind made her angry. ''You nearly gave our secret away, you silly,'' said Dick to Anne. ''I didn't think,'' said the little girl, looking ashamed of herself. ''Anyway, Mr Rowland seems very nice.'' I think we might ask him if he could help us to understand those funny words You leave that to me to decide, said Julian crossly Now, don't you dare to say a word They all set out, Timothy too Mr Rowland need not have worried about the dog for Timothy would not go near him It was very strange, really He kept away from the tutor and took not the slightest notice of him even when Mr. Rowland spoke to him. "'He's not usually like that,' said Dick. "'He's a most friendly dog, really.' "'Well, as I've got to live in the same house with him, "'I must try and make him friends with me,' said the tutor. "'Hi, Timothy. Come here. I've got a biscuit in my pocket.' "'Timothy pricked up his ears at the word biscuit, "'but did not even look towards Mr. Rowland.' He put his tail down and went to George. She patted him. "'If he doesn't like anyone, "'not even a biscuit or a bone will make him go to them when he is called,' she said. "'Mr. Rowland gave it up. "'He put the biscuit back into his pocket. "'He's a peculiar-looking dog, isn't he?' he said. "'A terrible mongrel. "'I must say I prefer well-bred dogs.' "'George went purple in the face.' "'He's not peculiar-looking,' she spluttered. "'He's not nearly so peculiar-looking as you are. "'He's not a terrible mongrel. "'He's the best dog in the world.' "'I think you are being a little rude,' said Mr Rowland stiffly. "'I don't allow my pupils to be cheeky, Georgina.' "'Calling her Georgina made George still more furious. "'She lagged behind with Tim, looking as black as a thundercloud.' the others felt uncomfortable they knew what tempers George got into and how difficult she could be she had been so much better and happier since the summer when they had come to stay for the first time they did hope she wasn't going to be silly and get into rows it would spoil the Christmas holidays Mr Rowland took no more notice of George he did not speak to her but strode on ahead with the others doing his best to be jolly He could really be very funny, and the boys began to laugh at him. He took Anne's hand, and the little girl jumped along beside him, enjoying the walk. Julian felt sorry for George. It wasn't nice to be left out of things, and he knew how George hated anything like that. He wondered if he dared to put in a good word for her. It might make things easier. Mr Rowland, sir, he began, um... "'Could you call my cousin by the name she likes, George? "'She simply hates Georgina. "'And she's very fond of Tim. "'She can't bear anyone to say horrid things about him.' "'Mr. Rowland looked surprised. "'My dear boy, I am sure you mean well,' "'he said in rather a dry sort of voice. "'But I hardly think I want your advice about any of my pupils. "'I shall follow my own wishes in my treatment of Georgina, not yours.' I want to be friends with you all, and I am sure we shall be, but Georgina has got to be sensible, as you three are. Julian felt rather squashed. He went red and looked at Dick. Dick gave him a squeeze on his arm. The boys knew George could be silly and difficult, especially if anyone didn't like her beloved dog, but they thought Mr. Rowland might try to be a bit more understanding too. Dick slipped behind and walked with George. You needn't walk with me, said George at once, her blue eyes glinting. Walk with your friend, Mr Rowland. He isn't my friend, said Dick. Don't be silly. I'm not silly, said George in a tight sort of voice. I heard you all laughing and joking with him. You go on and have a good laugh again. I've got Timothy. George, it's Christmas holidays, said Dick. Do let's all be friends. Do don't let spoil Christmas I can't like anyone who doesn't like Tim said George obstinately well after all Mr Rowland did offer him a biscuit said Dick trying to make peace as hard as he could George said nothing her small face looked fierce Dick tried again George promised to try and be nice till Christmas is over anyway don't let spoil Christmas for goodness sake "'Come on, George!' "'All right,' said George at last. "'I'll try.' "'Come and walk with us then,' said Dick. "'So George caught up the others "'and tried not to look too sulky. "'Mr Rowland guessed that Dick had been trying to make George behave "'and he included her in his talk. "'He could not make her laugh, "'but she did at least answer politely. "'Is that Kirin Farmhouse?' asked Mr Rowland as they came in sight of the farm yes do you know it? asked Julian in surprise Uh, no, no said Mr Rowland at once I've heard of it and wondered if that was the place we went there this morning said Anne it's an exciting place she looked at the others wondering if they would mind if she said anything about the things they had seen that morning Julian thought for a moment After all, it couldn't matter telling him about the stone in the kitchen and the false back to the cupboard. Mrs Sanders would tell anyone that. He could speak about the sliding panel in the hall too and say they had found an old recipe book there. He did not need to say anything about the old bit of marked linen. So he told their tutor about the exciting things there had been at the old farmhouse, but said nothing at all about the linen and its strange markings mr Rowland listened with the greatest interest this is all very remarkable he said very remarkable indeed most interesting you say the old couple live there quite alone well they are having two people to stay over christmas said dick artists julian thought he would go over and talk to them he can paint awfully well you know can he really said mr roland well, he must show me some of his pictures, uh, but I don't think he'd better go and worry the artists at the farmhouse. They might not like it. This remark made Julian feel obstinate. He made up his mind at once that he would go and talk to the two artists when he got the chance. It was quite a pleasant walk on the whole, except that George was quiet and Timothy would not go anywhere near Mr Rowland when they came to a frozen pond Dick threw sticks on it for Tim to fetch it was so funny to see him go slithering about on his long legs trying to run properly everyone threw sticks for the dog and Tim fetched all the sticks except Mr Rowland's when the tutor threw a stick the dog looked at it and took no more notice it was almost as if he had said what your stick no thank you now, home we go, said Mr. Roland, trying not to look annoyed with Tim. We shall just be in time for tea. Chapter 6 Lessons with Mr. Roland Next morning, the children felt a little gloomy. Lessons! How horrid in the holidays! Still, Mr. Roland wasn't so bad. The children had not had him with them in the sitting room the night before because he had gone to talk to their uncle. So they were able to get out the mysterious bit of linen again and pore over it. But it wasn't a bit of good. Nobody could make anything of it at all. Secret way. What did it mean? Was it really directions for a secret way? And where was the way? And why was it secret? it was most exasperating not to be able to find out I really feel we'll have to ask someone soon Julian had said with a sigh I can't bear this mystery much longer I keep on and on thinking of it he had dreamt of it too that night and now it was morning with lessons ahead he wondered what lesson Mr Rowland would take Latin perhaps then he could ask him what the words via occulta meant Mr Rowland had seen all their reports and had noted the subjects they were weak in one was Latin and another was French maths were very weak in both Dick's report and George's both children must be helped on in those geometry was Julian's weakest spot Anne was not supposed to need any coaching but uh, if you like to come along and join us I'll give you some painting to do said Mr Roland his blue eyes twinkling at her he liked Anne she was not difficult and sulky like George Anne loved painting oh yes she said happily I'd love to do some painting I can paint flowers Mr Roland I'll paint you some red poppies and blue cornflowers out of my head We will start at half past nine, said Mr. Rowland. We are to work in the sitting room. Take your school books there and be ready, punctually. So all the children were there, sitting round a table, their books in front of them, at half past nine. Anne had some painting water and her painting box. The others looked at her enviously. (gasps) Lucky Anne to be doing painting while they worked hard at difficult things like Latin and maths. Where's Timothy? asked Julian in a low voice as they waited for their tutor to come in. Under the table, said George defiantly. I'm sure he'll lie still. Don't any of you say anything about him. I want him there. I'm not going to do lessons without Tim here. I don't see why he shouldn't be here with us, said Dick. He's very, very good. Oh, shh! Here comes Mr Rowland. The tutor came in his black beard bristling round his mouth and chin his eyes looked very piercing in the pale winter sunlight that filtered into the room he told the children to sit down I'll have a look at your exercise books first he said and see what you were doing last term you come first, Julian soon the little class were working quietly together Anne was very busy painting a bright picture of poppies and cornflowers Mr Rowland admired it very much Anne thought he really was very nice. Suddenly, there was a huge sigh from under the table. It was Tim, tired of lying so still. Mr Rowland looked up, surprised. George at once sighed heavily, hoping that Mr Rowland would think it was she who had sighed before. ''You sound tired, Georgina,'' said Mr Rowland. ''You shall all have a little break at eleven. George frowned. She hated being called Georgina. She put her foot cautiously on Timothy to warn him not to make any more noises. Tim licked her foot. After a while, just when the class was at its very quietest, Tim felt a great wish to scratch himself very hard on his back. He got up. He sat down again with a thump, gave a grunt, and began to scratch himself furiously the children all began to make noises to hide the sounds that Tim was making George clattered her feet on the floor Julian began to cough and let one of his books slip to the ground Dick jiggled the table and spoke to Mr Rowland oh dear this sum is so hard, it really is I keep doing it and doing it and it simply won't come right why all this sudden noise said Mr Rowland in surprise stop tapping the floor with your feet Georgina tim settled down quietly again the children gave a sigh of relief they became quiet and mr roland told dick to come to him with his maths book the tutor took it and stretched his legs out under the table leaning back to speak to dick to his enormous surprise his feet struck something soft and warm and then something nipped him sharply on the ankle he drew in his feet with a cry of pain the children stared at him he bent down and looked under the table it's that dog he said in disgust the brute snapped at my ankles he has made a hole in my trousers take him out georgina georgina said nothing she sat as though she had not heard she won't answer if you call her georgina julian reminded him she'll answer me whatever i call her said mr roland in a low and angry voice I won't have that dog in here. If you don't take him out this very minute, Georgina, I will go to your father. George looked at him. She knew perfectly well that if she didn't take Tim out... and Mr Roland went to her father... he would order Timothy to live in the garden kennel... and that would be dreadful. There was absolutely nothing to be done but obey. Red in the face, a huge frown almost hiding her eyes she got up and spoke to Tim come on Tim I'm not surprised you bit him I would too if I were a dog there is no need to be rude Georgina said Mr Rowland angrily the others stared at George they wondered how she dared to say things like that when she got fierce it seemed as if she didn't care for anyone at all come back as soon as you have put the dog out said Mr Rowland George scowled, but came back in a few minutes. She felt caught. Her father was friendly with Mr. Rowland and knew how difficult George was. If she behaved as badly as she felt she would like to, it would be Tim who would suffer, for he would certainly be banished from the house. So, for Tim's sake, George obeyed the tutor. But from that moment, she disliked him and resented him Bitterly, with all her fierce little heart the others were sorry for George and Timothy but they did not share the little girl's intense dislike of the new tutor he often made them laugh he was patient with their mistakes he was willing to show them how to make paper darts and ships and to do funny little tricks Julian and Dick thought these were fun and stored them up to try on the other boys when they went back to school after lessons that morning, the children went out for half an hour in the frosty sunshine. George called Tim. Poor old boy, she said. What a shame to turn you out of the room. Whatever did you snap at Mr. Roland for? Well, I think it was a very good idea, Tim, but I really don't know what made you. George, you can't play about with Mr. Roland, said Julian. You'll only get into trouble. He's tough he won't stand much from any of us but I think he'll be quite a good sport if we get on the right side of him well, get on the right side of him if you like said George in a rather sneering voice I'm not going to if I don't like a person, I don't and I don't like him why? just because he doesn't like Tim? asked Dick mostly because of that but because he makes me feel prickly down my back said george i don't like his nasty mouth but you can't see it said julian it's covered with his mustache and beard i've seen his lips through them said george obstinately they're thin and cruel you look and see i don't like thin lip people they're always spiteful and hard and i don't like his cold eyes either you can suck up to him all you like i shan't julian refused to get angry with the stubborn little girl he laughed at her we're not going to suck up to him he said we're just going to be sensible that's all you be sensible too george old thing but once george had made up her mind about something nothing would alter her she cheered up when she heard they were all to go christmas shopping on the bus that afternoon without mr roland he was going to watch an experiment that her father was going to show him i will take you into the nearest town and you shall shop to your heart's content said aunt fanny to the children then we will have tea in a tea shop and catch the six o'clock bus home this was fun they caught the afternoon bus and rumbled along the deep country lanes till they got to the town the shops looked very colourful and bright The children had brought their money with them and were very busy indeed buying all kinds of things. There were so many people to get presents for. I suppose we'd better get something for Mr Rowland, hadn't we? said Julian. I'm going to, said Anne. Fancy buying Mr Rowland a present, said George in her scornful voice. Why shouldn't she, George? asked her mother in surprise. Oh, dear i hope you're going to be sensible about him and not take a violent dislike to the poor man i don't want him to complain to your father about you what are you going to buy for tim george asked julian changing the subject quickly the largest bone the butcher has got said george what are you going to buy him i guess if tim had money he would buy us each a present said Anne taking hold of the thick hair round Tim's neck and pulling it lovingly he's the best dog in the world George forgave Anne for saying she would buy Mr Roland a present when the little girl said that about Tim she cheered up again and began to plan what she would buy for everyone they had a fine tea and caught the six o'clock bus back Aunt Fanny went to see if the cook had given the two men their tea She came out of the study beaming Really? I've never seen your uncle so jolly She said to Julian and Dick He and Mr Roland are getting on like a house on fire He's been showing your tutor quite a lot of his experiments It's nice for him to have someone to talk to that knows a little about these things Mr Roland played games with the children that evening Tim was in the room and the tutor tried again to make friends with him, but the dog refused to take any notice of him. "'As sulky as his little mistress,' said the tutor, with a laughing look at George, who was watching Tim refuse to go to Mr Rowland and looking rather pleased about it. She gave the tutor a scowl and said nothing. "'Shall we ask him whether via occulta really does mean secret way or not tomorrow?' said julian to dick as they undressed that night i'm just longing to know if it does what do you think of mr roland dick i don't really quite know said dick i like lots of things about him but then i suddenly don't like him at all i don't like his eyes and george is quite right about his lips they are so thin there's hardly anything of them at all i think he's all right said julian "'He won't stand any nonsense, that's all. "'I wouldn't mind showing him the whole piece of rag "'and asking him to make out its meaning for us. "'I thought you said it was to be a proper secret,' said Dick. "'I know. But what's the use of a secret? "'We don't know the meaning of ourselves,' said Julian. "'I'll tell you what we could do. "'Ask him to explain the words to us "'and not show him the bit of linen. "'But we can't read some of the words ourselves.' said dick so that's no use you'd have to show him the whole thing and tell him where we got it well i'll see said julian getting into bed the next day there were lessons again from half past nine to half past twelve george appeared without tim she was angry at having to do this but it was no good being defiant and refusing to come to lessons without tim Now that he had snapped at Mr. Rowland, he had definitely put himself in the wrong, and the tutor had every right to refuse to allow him to come. But George looked very sulky indeed. In the Latin lesson, Julian took the chance of asking what he wanted to know. Um, please, Mr. Rowland, he said, could you tell me what via occulta means? Via occulta? "'said Mr Rowland, frowning. Uh, "'Yes, it means secret path or secret road. "'A hidden way, something like that. "'Why do you want to know?' "'All the children were listening eagerly. "'Their hearts thumped with excitement. "'So Julian had been right. "'That funny bit of rag contained directions for some hidden way, "'some secret path. "'But where to? "'Where did it begin and end?' oh uh, i just wanted to know said julian thank you sir he winked at the others he was as excited as they were if only they could make out the rest of the markings they might be able to solve the mystery well perhaps he would ask mr roland in a day or two the secret must be solved somehow the secret way said julian to himself as he worked out a problem in geometry the secret way i'll find it somehow chapter seven directions for the secret way for the next day or two the four children did not really have much time to think about the secret way because christmas was coming near and there was a good deal to do there were christmas cards to draw and paint for their mothers and fathers and friends there was the house to decorate they went out with Mr Roland to find sprays of holly and came home laden you look like a Christmas card yourselves said Aunt Fanny as they walked up the garden path carrying the red berried holly over their shoulders Mr Roland had found a group of trees with tufts of mistletoe growing from the top branches and they had brought some of that too its berries shone like pale green pearls Mr Roland had to climb the tree to get this, said Anne He's a good climber, as good as a monkey Everyone laughed, except George She never laughed at anything to do with the tutor They all dumped their loads down in the porch and went to wash They were to decorate the house that evening Is Uncle going to let his study be decorated too, asked Anne there were all kinds of strange instruments and glass tubes in the study now and the children looked at them with wonder whenever they ventured into the study which was very seldom "Uh, no, my study is certainly not to be messed about said Uncle Quentin at once I wouldn't hear of it Uncle, why do you have all these funny things in your study? asked Anne, looking round with wide eyes Uncle Quentin laughed "'I'm looking for a secret formula,' he said. "'What's that?' said Anne. "'You wouldn't understand,' said her uncle. "'All these funny things, as you call them, help me in my experiments, "'and I put down in my book what they tell me. "'And from all I learn, I work out a secret formula "'that will be of great use when it is finished.' "'You want to know a secret formula?' and we want to know a secret way said Anne, quite forgetting that she was not supposed to talk about this Julian was standing by the door he frowned at Anne luckily, Uncle Quentin was not paying any more attention to the little girl's chatter Julian pulled her out of the room Anne, the only way to stop you giving away secrets is to sew up your mouth like Br'er Rabbit wanted to do to Mr Dog, he said joanna the cook was busy baking christmas cakes an enormous turkey had been sent over from kirin farm and was hanging up in the larder timothy thought it smelled glorious and joanna was always shooing him out of the kitchen there were boxes of crackers on the shelf in the sitting room and mysterious parcels everywhere it was very very christmassy the children were happy and excited Mr. Rowland went out and dug up a little spruce fir tree. "'We must have a Christmas tree,' he said. "'Have you any tree ornaments, children?' "'No,' said Julian, seeing George shake her head. "'I'll go into the town this afternoon and get some for you,' promised the tutor. "'It will be fun dressing the tree. "'We'll put it in the hall and light candles on it on Christmas Day after tea. "'Who's coming with me to get the candles and the ornaments?' "'I am!' cried three children but the fourth said nothing that was George not even to buy tree ornaments would the obstinate little girl go with Mr. Rowland she had never had a Christmas tree before and she was very much looking forward to it but it was spoilt for her because Mr. Rowland bought the things that made it so beautiful now it stood in the hall with coloured candles in holders clipped to the branches and bright shining ornaments hanging from top to bottom silver strands of frosted string hung down from the branches like icicles and Anne had put bits of white cotton wool here and there to look like snow it really was a lovely sight to see beautiful, said Uncle Quentin as he passed through the hall and saw Mr Rowland hanging the last ornaments on the tree I say, look at the fairy doll on the top Who's that for? A good girl? Anne secretly hoped that Mr Rowland would give her the doll. She was sure it wasn't for George, and anyway, George wouldn't accept it. It was such a pretty doll, with its gauzy frock and silvery wings. Julie and Dick and Anne had quite accepted the tutor now as teacher and friend. In fact, everyone had... "'their uncle and aunt, too, and even Joanna the cook. "'George, of course, was the only exception, "'and she and Timothy kept away from Mr Rowland, "'each looking as sulky as the other "'whenever the tutor was in the room. "'You know, I never knew a dog could look so sulky,' "'said Julian, watching Timothy. "'Really? He scowls almost like George.' "'And I always feel as if George puts her tail down like Tim "'when Mr Rowland is in the room,' giggled Anne. "'Laugh all you like,' said George in a low tone. "'I think you're beastly to me. "'I know I'm right about Mr Roland. "'I've got a feeling about him, and so has Tim.' "'You're silly, George,' said Dick. "'You haven't really got a feeling.' It's only that Mr Rowland will keep calling you Georgina and putting you in your place, and that he doesn't like Tim. I dare say he can't help disliking dogs. After all, there was once a famous man called Lord Roberts who couldn't bear cats. Oh, well, cats are different, said George. If a person doesn't like dogs, especially a dog like our Timothy, then there really must be something wrong with him. ''It's no use arguing with George,'' said Julian. ''Once she's made up her mind about something, she won't budge.'' George went out of the room in a huff. The others thought she was behaving rather stupidly. ''I'm surprised, really,'' said Anne. ''She was so jolly last term at school, now she's gone all strange.'' ''Rather like she was when we first knew her last summer.'' ''I do think Mr Rowland has been decent, digging up the Christmas tree and everything,'' said Dick. I still don't like him awfully much sometimes, but I think he's a sport. What about asking him if he can read that old linen rag for us? I don't think I'd mind him sharing our secret, really. I would love him to share it, said Anne, who was busy doing a marvellous Christmas card for the tutor. He's most awfully clever. I'm sure he could tell us what the secret way is. Do let's ask him. All right, said Julian. "'I'll show him the piece of linen. "'It's Christmas Eve tonight. "'He will be with us in the sitting room "'because Aunt Fanny is going into the study with Uncle Quentin "'to wrap up presents for all of us.' "'So, that evening, before Mr Rowland came in to sit with them, "'Julian took out the little roll of linen "'and stroked it out flat on the table. "'George looked at it in surprise. "'Mr Rowland will be here in a minute,' she said. "'You'd better put it away quickly.' ''We're going to ask him if he can tell us what the old Latin words mean,'' said Julian. ''You're not!'' cried George in dismay. ''Ask him to share our secret? How ever can you?'' ''Well, we want to know what the secret is, don't we?'' said Julian. ''We don't need to tell him where we got this or anything about it, except that we want to know what the markings mean. We're not exactly sharing the secret with him,'' only asking him to use his brains to help us well i never thought you'd ask him said george and he'll want to know simply everything about it you just see if he won't he's terribly snoopy whatever do you mean said julian in surprise i don't think he's a bit snoopy i saw him yesterday snooping round the study when no one was there said george he didn't see me outside the window with Tim. He was having a real poke round. "'You know how interested he is in your father's work,' said Julian. "'Why shouldn't he look at it? Your father likes him too. "'You're just seeing what horrid things you can find to say about Mr Rowland.' "'Oh, shut up, you two, said Dick. "'It's Christmas Eve. Don't let's argue or quarrel or say beastly things.' just at that moment the tutor came into the room all as busy as bees he said his mouth smiling beneath its mustache too busy to have a game of cards i suppose mr roland sir began julian could you help us with something we've got an old bit of linen here with odd markings on it the words seem to be in some sort of latin and we can't make them out George gave an angry exclamation as she saw Julian push the piece of linen over towards the tutor. She went out of the room and shut the door with a bang. Tim was with her. Ah sweet tempered Georgina doesn't seem to be very friendly tonight, remarked Mr Rowland, pulling the bit of linen towards him. Where in the world did you get this? What an odd thing. Nobody answered. Mr. Rowland studied the roll of linen, and then gave an exclamation. Ah, I see why you wanted to know the meaning of those Latin words the other day. The ones that meant hidden path, you remember. They are at the top of this linen roll. Yes, said Dick. All the children leaned over towards Mr. Rowland, hoping he would be able to unravel a little of the mystery for them. We just want to know the meaning of the word, sir, said Julian. "'This is really very interesting,' said the tutor, puzzling over the linen. "'Apparently there are directions here for finding the opening or entrance of a secret path or road.' "'That's what we thought,' cried Julian excitedly. "'That's exactly what we thought. "'Oh, sir, do read the directions and see what you make of them.' "'Well, these eight squares are meant to represent wooden boards or panels, I think.' said the tutor pointing to the eight rough squares drawn on the linen wait a minute I can hardly read some of the words this is most fascinating solum lapideum paries ligneus. and what's this? cellular yes cellular the children hung on his words wooden panels that must mean panels somewhere at kirin farmhouse mr Rowland frowned down at the old printed words then he sent anne to borrow a magnifying glass from her uncle she came back with it and the four of them looked through the glass seeing the words three times as clearly now well said the tutor at last as far as i can make out the directions mean this a room facing east Eight wooden panels, with an opening somewhere to be found in that marked one, "'a stone floor... yes, I think that's right, a a stone floor, and a cupboard. "'It all sounds most extraordinary and very thrilling. "'Where did you get this from?' "'We just found it,' said Julian, after a pause. "'Oh, Mr. Rowland, thanks awfully. "'We could never have made it out by ourselves.' i suppose the entrance to the secret way is in a room facing east then it looks like it said mr roland poring over the linen roll again where did you say you found this we didn't say said dick it's a secret really you see i think you might tell me said the tutor looking at dick with his brilliant blue eyes i can be trusted with secrets you've no idea how many strange secrets i know well said julian i don't really see why you shouldn't know where we found this mr roland we found it at kieran farmhouse in an old tobacco pouch i suppose the secret way begins somewhere there i wonder where and wherever it can lead to you found it at kieran farmhouse exclaimed mr roland well well i must say that seems to be an interesting old place i shall have to go over there one day "'Julian rolled up the piece of linen and put it into his pocket. "'Well, thank you, sir,' he said. "'You've solved a bit of the mystery for us, but set another puzzle. "'We must look for the entrance of the secret way after Christmas "'when we can walk over to Kirin Farmhouse.' "'I'll come with you,' said Mr Roland. "'I may be able to help a little. "'That is, if you don't mind me having a little share in this exciting secret.' "'Well, you've been such a help in telling us what the words mean,' said Julian. "'We'd like you to come if you want to, sir.' "'Yes, we would,' said Anne. "'We'll go and look for the secret way, then,' said Mr. Roland. "'What fun we shall have, tapping round the panels, "'waiting for a mysterious dark entrance to appear. "'I don't suppose George will go,' Dick murmured to Julian. "'You shouldn't have said Mr. Rowland could go with us, Jew.' that means that old George will have to be left out of it you know how she hates that I know, said Julian, feeling uncomfortable don't let's worry about that now, though George may feel different after Christmas she can't keep up this kind of behaviour forever Chapter 8 What Happened on Christmas Night It was great fun on Christmas morning the children awoke early and tumbled out of bed to look at the presents that were stacked on chairs nearby squeals and yells of delight came from everyone oh, a railway station, just what I wanted who gave me this marvellous station? a new doll with eyes that shut I shall call her Betsy May she looks just like a Betsy May I say, what a whopping great book all about aeroplanes from Aunt Fanny how decent of her Timothy look what Julian has given you a collar with big brass studs all round you will be grand go and lick him to say thank you who's this from I say who gave me this where's the label oh from Mr Roland how decent of him Look, Julian, a pocket knife with three blades! So the cries and exclamations went on, and the four excited children and the equally excited dog spent a glorious hour before a late Christmas breakfast opening all kinds and shapes of parcels. The bedrooms were in a fine mess when the children had finished. Who gave you that book about dogs, George? asked Julian, seeing rather a nice dog book lying on George's pile. "'Mr. Rowland,' said George rather shortly. "'Julian wondered if George was going to accept it. "'He rather thought she wouldn't. "'But the little girl, defiant and obstinate as she was, "'had made up her mind not to spoil Christmas Day by being difficult. "'So when the others thanked the tutor for their things, "'she too added her thanks, though in rather a stiff little voice. "'George had not given the tutor anything.' but the others had and Mr Rowland thanked them all very heartily appearing to be very pleased indeed he told Anne that her Christmas card was the nicest he had ever had and she beamed at him with joy well I must say it's nice to be here for Christmas said Mr Rowland when he and the others were sitting round a loaded Christmas table at the midday dinner shall I carve for you Mr Quentin? I'm good at that Uncle Quentin handed him the carving knife and fork gladly. "'It's nice to have you here,' he said warmly. "'I must say you've settled in well. "'I'm sure we all feel as if we've known you for ages.' "'It really was a jolly Christmas day. "'There were no lessons, of course, "'and there were to be none the next day either. "'The children gave themselves up "'to the enjoyment of eating a great deal, "'sucking sweets "'and looking forward to the lighting of the Christmas tree. "'It looked beautiful when the candles were lighted. "'They twinkled in the darkness of the hall, "'and the bright ornaments shone and glowed. "'Tim sat and looked at it, quite entranced. "'He likes it as much as we do,' said George. "'And indeed, Tim had enjoyed the day just as much as any of them. "'They were all tired out when they went to bed.' I shan't be long before I'm asleep, yawned Anne. Oh, George, it's been fun, hasn't it? I did like the Christmas tree. Yes, it's been lovely, said George, jumping into bed. Here comes Mother to say goodnight. Basket, Tim, basket! Tim leapt into his basket by the window. He was always there when George's mother came in to say goodnight to the girls. But as soon as she had gone downstairs the dog took a flying leap and landed on George's bed there he slept his head curled round her feet don't you think Tim ought to sleep downstairs tonight said George's mother Joanna says he ate such an enormous meal in the kitchen that she is sure he will be sick oh no mother said George at once make Tim sleep downstairs on Christmas night whatever would he think "'Oh, very well,' said her mother with a laugh. "'I might have known it was useless to suggest it. "'Now, to sleep quickly, Anne and George. "'It's late, and you're all tired.' "'She went into the boys' room and said goodnight to them, too. "'They were almost asleep. Two hours later, everyone else was in bed. "'The house was still and dark. "'George and Anne slept peacefully in their small beds.' Timothy slept too, lying heavily on George's feet Suddenly, George awoke with a jump Tim was growling softly He had raised his big shaggy head and George knew that he was listening What is it, Tim? she whispered Anne did not wake Tim went on growling softly George sat up and put her hand on his collar to stop him she knew that if he awoke her father he would be cross Timothy stopped growling now that he had roused George the girl sat and wondered what to do it wasn't any good waking Anne the little girl would be frightened why was Tim growling he never did that at night perhaps I'd better go and see if everything is all right, thought George she was quite fearless and the thought of creeping through the still dark house did not disturb her at all besides she had tim who could be afraid with tim beside them she slipped on her dressing gown perhaps a log has fallen out of one of the fireplaces and a rug is burning she thought sniffing as she went down the stairs it would be just like tim to smell it and warn us with her hand on tim's head to warn him to be quite quiet george crept softly through the hall to the sitting room The fire was quite all right there, just a red glow. In the kitchen, all was peace, too. Tim's feet made a noise there as his claws rattled against the linoleum. A slight sound came from the other side of the house. Tim growled quite loudly, and the hairs on the back of his neck rose up. George stood still. Could it possibly be burglar's? suddenly timothy shook himself free from her fingers and leapt across the hall down a passage and into the study beyond there was the sound of an exclamation and a noise as if someone was falling over it is a burglar said george and she ran to the study she saw a torch shining on the floor dropped by someone who was even now struggling with tim george switched on the light and then looked with the greatest astonishment into the study. Mr. Rowland was there in his dressing gown, rolling on the floor, trying to get away from Timothy, who, although not biting him, was holding him firmly by his dressing gown. "'Oh, it's you, George. "'Call your beastly dog off,' said Mr. Rowland in a low and angry voice. "'Do you want to rouse all the household?' "'Why are you creeping about with a torch?' demanded George I heard a noise down here and came to see what it was said Mr. Rowland sitting up and trying to fend off the angry dog for goodness sake call your beast off why didn't you put on the light asked George not attempting to take Tim away she was very much enjoying the sight of an angry and frightened Mr. Rowland I couldn't find it said the tutor it's on the wrong side of the door as you see This was true. The switch was an awkward one to find if you didn't know it. Mr. Rowland tried to push Tim away again, and the dog suddenly barked. Well, he'll wake everyone, said the tutor angrily. I didn't want to rouse the house. I thought I could find out for myself if there was anyone about, a burglar perhaps. Here comes your father. George's father appeared, carrying a large poker he stood still in astonishment when he saw Mr. Rowland on the ground and Timothy standing over him. What's all this? he exclaimed. Mr. Rowland tried to get up, but Tim would not let him. George's father called to him sternly. Tim, come here, sir. Timothy glanced at George to see if his mistress agreed with her father's command. She said nothing so timothy took no notice of the order and merely made a snap at mr roland's ankles that dog's mad said mr roland from the floor he's already bitten me once before and now he's trying to do it again tim will you come here sir shouted george's father george that dog is really disobedient call him off at once come here tim said george in a low voice the dog at once came to her, standing by her side with the hairs on his neck still rising up stiffly. He growled softly as if to say, ''Be careful, Mr. Roland, Be careful.'' The tutor got up. He was very angry indeed. He spoke to George's father. ''I heard some sort of noise and came down with my torch to see what it was,'' he said. ''I thought it came from your study.'' and knowing you kept your valuable books and instruments here, I wondered if some thief was about. I had just got down and into the room when that dog appeared from somewhere and got me down on the ground. George came along, too, and would not call him off. "'I can't understand your behaviour, George. "'I really can't,' said her father angrily. "'I hope you're not going to behave stupidly, "'as you used to behave before your cousins came last summer.' And what is this I hear about Tim biting Mr. Rowland before? George had him under the table during lessons, said Mr. Rowland. I didn't know that, and when I stretched out my legs, they touched Tim, and he bit me. I didn't tell you before, sir, because I didn't want to trouble you. Both George and the dog have tried to annoy me ever since I have been here. Well, Tim must go outside and live in the kennel, said George's father. I won't have him in the house. It will be a punishment for him and a punishment for you too, George. I will not have this kind of behaviour. Mr Rowland has been extremely kind to you all. I won't let Tim live outside, said George furiously. It's such cold weather and it will simply break his heart. Well, his heart must be broken then said her father it will depend entirely on your behavior from now on whether tim is allowed in the house at all these holidays i shall ask mr Rowland each day how you have behaved if you have a bad report then tim stays outside now you know go back to bed but first apologize to mr Rowland." i won't said george and choked by feelings of anger and dismay she tore out of the room and up the stairs the two men stared after her let her be, said Mr Rowland she's a very difficult child and has made up her mind not to like me, that's quite plain but I shall be very glad to know that dog isn't in the house I'm not at all certain that Georgina wouldn't set him on me if she could I'm sorry about all this, said George's father I wonder what the noise was that you heard A log falling in the grate, I expect Now, what am I to do about that tiresome dog tonight? Go and take him outside, I suppose Leave him tonight, said Mr Rowland I can hear noises upstairs The others are awake by now Don't let's make any more disturbance tonight Perhaps you're right, said George's father, thankfully he didn't at all want to tackle a defiant little girl and an angry big dog in the middle of a cold night. The two men went to bed and slept. George did not sleep. The others had been awake when she got upstairs, and she had told them what had happened. "'George, you really are an idiot,' said Dick. "'After all, why shouldn't Mr. Roland go down if he heard a noise?' "'You went down?' Now we shan't have darling old Tim in the house this cold weather. Anne began to cry. She didn't like hearing that the tutor she liked so much had been knocked down by Tim, and she hated hearing that Tim was to be punished. Don't be a baby, said George. I'm not crying, and it's my dog. But when everyone had settled down again in bed and slept peacefully, George's pillow was very wet indeed. Tim crept up beside her and licked the salt tears of her cheek he whined softly tim was always unhappy when his little mistress was sad chapter nine a hunt for the secret way there were no lessons the next day george looked rather pale and was very quiet tim was already out in the yard kennel and the children could hear him whining unhappily they were all upset to hear him oh george i'm awfully sorry about it all said dick i wish you wouldn't get so fierce about things you only get yourself into trouble and poor old tim george was full of mixed feelings she disliked mr roland so much now that she could hardly bear to look at him and yet she did not dare to be openly rude and rebellious because she was afraid that if she was, the tutor would give her a bad report and perhaps she would not be allowed to even see Timothy. It was very hard for a defiant nature like hers to force herself to behave properly. Mr. Rowland took no notice of her at all. The other children tried to bring George into their talks and plans "'but she remained quiet and uninterested. "'George, we're going over to Kirin Farmhouse today,' said Dick. "'Coming. We're going to try and find the entrance to the secret way. "'It must start somewhere there.' "'The children had told George what Mr Rowland had said "'about the piece of marked linen. "'They had all been thrilled about this, "'though the excitements of Christmas Day "'had made them forget about it for a while. "'Yes, of course I'll come.' said George, looking more cheerful Timothy can come too he wants a walk but when the little girl found that Mr Rowland was also going she changed her mind at once not for anything would she go with the tutor no she would go for a walk alone with Timothy but George think of the excitement we'll have trying to find the secret way said Julian, taking hold of her arm George wrenched it away I'm not going if Mr Rowland is, she said obstinately and the others knew that it was no good trying to coax her I shall go alone with Tim, said George You go off together with your dear Mr Rowland." She set out with Timothy, a lonely little figure going down the garden path The others stared after her This was horrid George was being more and more left out But what could they do about it? "'Well, children, are you ready?' asked Mr. Rowland. "'You start off by yourselves, will you? "'I'll meet you at the farmhouse later. "'I want to run down to the village first to get something.' "'So the three children set off by themselves, "'wishing that George was with them. "'She was nowhere to be seen. "'Old Mr. and Mrs. Sanders were pleased to see the three children "'and sat them down in the big kitchen "'to eat ginger buns and drink hot milk.' "'Well, have you come to find a few more secret things?' asked Mrs Saunders with a smile. "'May we try?' asked Julian. "'We're looking for a room that's facing east with a stone floor and panelling. "'All the rooms downstairs have stone floors,' said Mrs Saunders. "'You hunt all you like, my dears. You won't do any damage, I know. "'But don't go into the room upstairs with the cupboard that has a false back, will you?' "'or the one next to it. "'Those are the rooms the two artists have.' "'All right,' said Julian, "'rather sorry that they were unable to fiddle about "'with the exciting cupboard again. "'Are the artists here, Mrs. Saunders? "'I'd like to talk to them about pictures. "'I hope one day I'll be an artist too.' "'Dear me, is that so?' said Mrs. Saunders. "'Well, well!' "'It's always a marvel to me "'how people make any money at painting pictures.' "'It isn't making money that artists like "'so much as the painting of the pictures,' "'said Julian, looking rather wise. "'That seemed to puzzle Mrs Sanders even more. "'She shook her head and laughed. "'Oh, they're peculiar folk,' she said. "'Ah, well, you go along "'and have her hunt for whatever it is you want to find.' you can't talk to the two artists today though master julian they're out the children finished their buns and milk and then stood up wondering where to begin their search they must look for a room or rooms facing east that would be the first thing to do which side of the house faces east mrs saunders asked julian do you know the kitchen faces due north said mrs sanders so east will be over there she pointed to the left thanks said julian come on everyone the three children went out of the kitchen and turned to the left there were three rooms there a kind of scullery not much used now a tiny room used as a den by old mr sanders and a room that had once been a drawing room but which was now cold and unused they've all got stone floors Said Julian. So we'll have to hunt through all of the three rooms, said Anne. No, we won't, said Julian. We shan't have to look in this scullery for one thing. Why not? asked Anne. Because the walls are of stone, silly, and we want panelling, said Julian. Use your brains, Anne. Well, that's one room we needn't bother with, then, said Dick. Look both this little room and the drawing room have panelling julian we must search in both there must be some reason for putting eight squares of panelling in the directions said julian looking at the roll of linen again it would be a good idea to see whether there's a place with eight squares only you know over a window or something it was tremendously exciting to look round the two rooms The children began with the smaller room. It was panelled all the way round in dark oak, but there was no place where only eight panels showed. So the children went into the next room. The panelling there was different. It did not look so old and was not so dark. The squares were rather a different size too. The children tried each panel, tapping and pressing as they went, expecting at any moment to see one slide back as the one in the hall had done but they were disappointed nothing happened at all they were still in the middle of trying when they heard footsteps in the hall and voices somebody looked into the drawing room it was a man thin and tall wearing glasses on his long nose hello, he said Mrs Sanders told me you were treasure hunting or something how are you getting on? not very well said julian politely he looked at the man and saw behind him another one younger with rather screwed up eyes and a big mouth i suppose you are the two artists he asked we are said the first man coming into the room now just exactly what are you looking for julian did not really want to tell him but it was difficult not to well we're just seeing if there's a sliding panel here he said at last there's one in the hall you know it's exciting to hunt round shall we help said the first artist coming into the room what are your names mine's Thomas and my friend's name is Wilton the children talked politely for a minute or two not at all wanting the two men to help if there was anything to be found they wanted to find it it would spoil everything if grown-ups solved the puzzle Soon, everyone was tap-tap-tapping round the wooden panels. They were in the middle of this when a voice hailed them. ''Hello? My word, we are all busy.'' The children turned and saw their tutor standing in the doorway, smiling at them. The two artists looked at him. "Is, uh, ''Is this a friend of yours?'' asked Mr Thomas. ''Yes, he's our tutor and he's very nice.'' "'said Anne, running to Mr Rowland and putting her hand in his. "'Perhaps you will introduce me, Anne,' said Mr Rowland, "'smiling at the little girl. "'Anne knew how to introduce people. "'She had often seen her mother doing it. "'This is Mr Rowland,' she said to the two artists. "'Then she turned to Mr Rowland. "'This is Mr Thomas,' she said, waving her hand towards him. "'And the other one is Mr Wilton.' The men half bowed to one another and nodded. "'Are you staying here?' asked Mr. Rowland. "'A very nice old farmhouse, isn't it?' "'It isn't time to go yet, is it?' asked Julian, hearing a clock strike. "'Yes, I'm afraid it is,' said Mr. Rowland. "'I'm later meeting you than I expected. "'We must go in about five minutes, no later. "'I'll just give you a hand in trying to find this mysterious secret way.' But no matter how any one of them pressed and tapped around the panels in either of the two rooms, they could not find anything exciting. It really was most disappointing. "'Well, we really must go now,' said Mr Roland. "'Come and say goodbye to Mrs Sanders.' They all went into the warm kitchen, where Mrs Sanders was cooking something that smelt most delicious. "'Something for our lunch, Mrs Sanders?' "'said Mr. Wilton. "'My word, you really are a wonderful cook.' "'Mrs. Sanders smiled. "'She turned to the children. "'Well, dearies, did you find what you wanted?' she asked. Uh, "'No,' said Mr. Rowland, answering for them. Uh, "'We haven't been able to find the secret way after all.' "'The secret way?' said Mrs. Sanders in surprise. "'What do you know about that now? "'I thought it had all been forgotten.' "'In fact, I hadn't believed in that secret way for many a year.' "'Oh, Mrs. Saunders, do you know about it?' cried Julian. "'Where is it?' "'I don't know, dear. "'The secret of it has been lost for many a day,' said the old lady. "'I remember my old grandmother telling me something about it "'when I was smaller than any of you. "'But I wasn't interested in things like that when I was little. "'I was all for cows and hens and sheep.' "'Oh, Mrs Sanders, do do try and remember something,' begged Dick. "'What was the secret way?' "'Well, it was supposed to be a hidden way "'from Kirin Farmhouse to somewhere else,' said Mrs Sanders. "'I don't know where, I'm sure. "'It was used in the olden days "'when people wanted to hide from enemies.' "'It was disappointing that Mrs Sanders knew so little.' The children said goodbye and went off with their tutor, feeling that their morning had been wasted. George was indoors when they got to Kirin Cottage. Her cheeks were not so pale now, and she greeted the children eagerly. ''Did you discover anything? Tell me all about it,'' she said. ''There's nothing to tell,'' said Dick, rather gloomily. ''We found three rooms facing east, with stone floors,'' but only two of them had wooden panelling so he hunted round those, tapping and punching but there wasn't anything to be discovered at all we saw the two artists, said Anne one was tall and thin and had a long nose with glasses on he was called Mr Thomas the other was younger, with little piggy eyes and an enormous mouth I met them out this morning, said George it must have been them Mr. Rowland was with them, and they were all talking together. They didn't see me. Oh, it couldn't have been the artists you saw, said Anne at once. Mr. Rowland didn't know them. I had to introduce them. Well, I'm sure I heard Mr. Rowland call one of them Wilton, said George, puzzled. He must have known them. It couldn't have been the artists, said Anne again. They really didn't know Mr. Rowland. Mr Thomas asked if he was a friend of ours I'm sure I'm not mistaken said George looking obstinate if Mr Roland said he didn't know the two artists he was telling lies oh you're always making out that he's doing something horrid cried Anne indignantly you just make up things about him shh said Julian here he is "'The door opened and the tutor came in. "'Well,' he said, "'it was disappointing that we couldn't find the secret way, wasn't it? "'Anyway, we were rather foolish to hunt about that drawing room, as we did. "'The panelling there wasn't really old. "'It must have been put in years after the other. "'Oh, well, there's no good looking there again,' said Julian, disappointed. "'And I'm pretty sure there's nothing to be found in that other little room. "'We went all over it so thoroughly.' isn't it disappointing it is, said Mr Rowland well Julian, how did you like the two artists I was pleased to meet them they seemed nice fellows and I shall like to know them George looked at the tutor could he possibly be telling untruths in such a truthful voice the little girl was very puzzled she felt sure it was the artist she had seen him with But why should he pretend he didn't know them? She must be mistaken. But all the same, she felt uncomfortable about it and made up her mind to find out the truth if she could. End of Disc 2